Good morning. Welcome to Axios Today. It's Wednesday, March 17th. Happy St. Patrick's Day. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Here's what you need to know today. Why the U.S. is turning to Pacific democracies to stem China's influence. Plus, the case for going back to the office. But first, the President and Vice President's stimulus victory tour is today's one big thing. Now that the $1.9 trillion COVID stimulus package has been signed into law, the real work begins, selling it to the American people. President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris are on the road with scheduled stops everywhere from Pennsylvania to New Mexico. Axios political reporter Hans Nichols is here with Why This Matters. Hans, good morning. Good morning. It's a big victory lap for President Biden getting this package signed into law Do all presidents and vice presidents go on these kind of victory tours, Hans? How is this one different? Everyone does a roadshow. You saw it from Trump. You saw it from President Obama in 2009 when he signed the stimulus. The big difference here, though, is that Biden has the wind at his back, at least when you make the comparisons to Obama 12 years ago. Because remember, when Obama was trying to sell his stimulus, Americans were still losing their jobs. The unemployment rate was still going up. With Biden, it's going down and checks are being deposited into people's accounts. And on top of that, Biden's getting the vaccines rolled out. So it's a different dynamic for Biden. In a lot of ways, it's just easier for Biden. And that's just luck. How much of this is about the COVID stimulus or how much of this is about the next election cycle or just building goodwill for the Biden administration overall? I'd probably say all three, but in descending order, right? I mean, the election's a long ways away. Like, the midterms are going to be here faster than we think. They do want to have momentum. They do want to get hot. They do want to prove to the American people they can deliver, and this is going to be a successful presidency. So when you talk to White House officials, that's the message they want to drive. Joe Biden campaigned on these things. He's delivering. We're returning to normal. Americans are getting vaccinated. Schools are going to be opening up. And the economy is going to be picking back up because thousands of dollars are about to be or entered into Americans' bank accounts. When the president and vice president go on these tours, how much of this meets Biden's promise of unifying the country and Americans? There's always some screening, right? They're not going to go straight into a MAGA rally. But the goal in the going to states, especially states where Trump has some support, like in Nevada, is to reach them and shout beyond the political leaders so that they get into the local news stream. They talk to local reporters. All White Houses kind of want to bypass the national media when they want to drive their message at a granular level, because they know at a national level, there are a whole lot of things that can blow them off course, whether or not that's something happening internationally, whether that's something happening down on the border. They have more control with local reporters. Before I let you go, a story broke last night from a declassified American intelligence report that there was Russian interference in the 2020 election. And we should say the report made it clear the election was not compromised. Is this pretty much expected these days, though, that Russian interference in an American election? Yeah, maybe. There are two points. One, it was an influence campaign. They didn't actually try to actually enter voting machines. And the other important part of the report is that China decided not to do anything. So, yes, we can expect that Russia will continue to try to do this. Putin was named directly, but it was an influence operation. It wasn't actually a changing votes operation. And maybe the bigger headline is that China decided to sit this one out. Hans Nichols covers the Biden White House for Axios. 
We'll be back in 15 seconds with why President Biden is turning to democracies in India, Japan, and Australia to counter China's influence. Welcome back to Axios Today. Last Friday, President Biden held a virtual summit with leaders of India, Japan, and Australia, the so-called Quad. It's a group the U.S. hopes will counter China's influence in the Pacific, and it was a run-up to the first high-level meeting that will occur between the U.S. and China later this week. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is Axios's China reporter and here to give us the state of play. Hey, Bethany. Hi, Nyla. So the idea of this quad isn't new, but what does President Biden want to do with it? Well, President Biden is doing exactly what he said he would do, which is bringing allies to the China challenge. Not only did he, for the first time ever, elevate the Quad to a leader-level summit, but he also planned this as the first foreign leader summit that he's had, and he had it the week before the first U.S.-China high-level summit. That's significant because it conveys to U.S. allies and partners that that he is putting them first. And it also conveys to China that the Biden administration will not return or is not likely to return to the engagement strategy, you know, really prioritizing smooth, easy relations with China that we saw under Obama. Bethany, this grouping, are they just concerned with security? The Quad has focused on security cooperation, but numerous different voices, including people in India and elsewhere, have really hoped that the Quad could be expanded beyond security cooperation to help create a stronger democratic framework for the Indo-Pacific. And that's exactly what we saw last week. Their big announcement was not some China-focused initiative. It was a COVID vaccine access initiative trying to create funding and structures to get COVID vaccines to people all across the Asia-Pacific. And they also announced some future priorities, such as some working groups on creating democratic tech standards. Bethany, how do we expect China will respond to all of this? Oh, well, Beijing is really upset about it. China has long expressed strong concerns about this, and it's clear why. The Quad is very actively trying to create a democratic weight in the region, and China doesn't like that. So they're, they're upset about it very clearly. Bethany Allen Ibrahimian is Axios's China reporter. Thanks, Bethany. Thanks so much, Nyla. Here's a fun fact about the Axios Today team. We've never produced a show together in person. We started this podcast last June while working remotely. But now, like many of you, we're starting to think about the possibility of going into an office, which might be a good thing, as Axios business reporter Erica Pandy has been writing. Hi, Erica. Hi, Nyla. Erica, we've heard the argument for workers staying remote when the pandemic is over, but what's the case for them to go back to the office? So, Nyla, the case for going back is that if you're choosing to stay home at a company where some people are going in, you might fall into this out-of-sight, out-of-mind trap where you're not visible to your manager or to other leadership, so you're passed over for opportunities or promotions or important stuff like that. Who's most at risk then in falling behind in either a hybrid or fully remote model? 
So, for example, autistic workers in remote work is a very interesting case because this teleworking revolution has been really, really great for neurodivergent employees who might not feel as comfortable in an office setting. But if they choose to stay home while their colleagues are going in, they could get left behind. And then I worry about new hires. If you're starting a job at a new place and you're doing it all from home, you might be missing out on little bits of office culture or mentorship that you would have gotten if you were going in. Erica Pandy reads the At Work newsletter for Axios. Thanks, Erica. Thanks, Nyla. And we want to hear from you. Are you dreading going back into the office? Or what do you miss about in-person work? Send us an email to podcasts at axios.com. You can also message me on Twitter where, bonus, I will post a picture of what our remote work looks like. Before we go today, one more story we're watching and news for all the parents and teachers out there. Yesterday, Moderna said it had started trials to test the vaccine on American and Canadian children from 6 months to 12 years old. Both Pfizer and Moderna started trials in December for young people 12 to 17. That's all we've got for you today. We love feedback. You can leave us a review at Apple Podcasts or send us an email. Our address is podcast at axios.com. You can also message me directly on Twitter. If you want more news before tomorrow, tune into our afternoon podcast, Axios Recap. I'm Nyla Boodoo. Thanks for listening. Stay safe, and we'll see you back here tomorrow morning.